Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Coming up on today's show, is anybody happy with the state of politics in our country? Now, new polling says, no. Sudden interest in black authors and their work really sparked around the Black Lives Matter movement and the death of George Floyd. We're going to have to speak with an author who's asking the question, does it take something that tragic to make black authors' work worth reading? And a big conference coming up next week surrounding men's mental health. We're divided. And um, does anybody feel like they're getting the representation they deserve through all of this from our government? We're going to chat now with Shachi Curl. Uh, Shachi is the president of the Angus Reid Institute. Um, Shachi, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time as always. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you've done some interesting polling here uh, just in the last few days, the last week or so, asking Canadians just that question, right? Do you feel the federal government cares about what's important to you? Uh, yes. Uh, do, do they do they feel that they're getting that engagement from Ottawa, from the Trudeau government? Uh, additionally, do they feel like there is a good system of government in Canada? Uh, is there room for political compromise uh, regarding uh, that you know discourse in this country? Yeah. Uh, the answers really depend on what part of the country in which you live. Uh, as, as we see so often, but <laughs> Usually, I think it's yeah. so, so important to keep underscoring that. We, we are a country, you know, people often talk about political division, political division. It is, it is so often actually manifested as regional division. Yeah. Uh, but we also see some big age and gender divides, younger men in particular feeling really turned off. So let's go through a couple of yeah, let's do it. top line findings. So um, at nearly 60% say that they do not agree that their uh, federal government uh, cares about the issues that are important to them. So a significant amount of disengagement, not surprisingly, perhaps highest in Alberta and Saskatchewan, perhaps a little more surprisingly lowest uh, or lower in uh, in, uh, British Columbia and also in Atlantic Canada. But still overall, Shachi, the majority of Canadians say that the government does not care about the issues that are important to them. No no fewer than than, uh, than, uh, 60% in in all jurisdictions feeling that way, with the exception of Quebec. So, again, you've got a a significant amount of, call it disengagement. Uh, and, And when you look at that by vote last, some really interesting numbers because we often talk about, um, and we can often focus on what I would call the conservative-liberal divide, right? We've got a liberal government in power, so there's a sense that we only talk about or can focus too much on what conservatives think, mm. what liberals think, and, and not, not, not about the others. And what I find with these data is it's not just past conservative voters who, who feel significantly like they're on the outs uh, on this question. That doesn't surprise me. What I find notable is that basically 
anyone who voted for a party other than the Liberal Party in the last election also feels that way, also feels that frustration of not being heard, of not being engaged. Uh, You see the same trends on questions around whether people perceive Canada to have a good system of government. I mean, we were were founded. Our, Our Constitution Act, going back to 1867, talks about peace, order, and good government. But, you know, in this country... Canadians are evenly divided between saying we do have a good system of government, just over 40% say that, and not and saying the opposite. And again, you've got uh, about 40% saying the same. So, you know, when uh, people have a national convulsion and freakout over things like the division over the, the convoy and, and, and the protests in Ottawa, and I've been watching it, I've been watching what people... Who, who would support it uh, from, from other provinces have been saying. I've been watching what people in Ottawa are saying, people who live there, who are, who are tired of the noise and tired of the protests mm-hmm. and, and say, you know what, you've made your point, please go home now. Um, that division is so reflected in the aggregate. That division is, is so uh, seen and manifested in the way we're feeling broadly in terms of public opinion today. Yeah, Ashanti, um, I'm, like you say, some surprising findings and also some discouraging findings out there, but uh, interesting as always. Thanks so much for your time. I know you got to run. Thank you very much. Take care. You too. That is uh, Shachi Curl, who is the um, president of the Angus Reid Institute, and it doesn't reach 40%. Well, 41 in Quebec. Every other jurisdiction in our country is below 40% of respondents saying, yeah, My federal government cares about the issues that are important to me. Um, You remember the Black Lives Matter movement that was sparked after the death of George Floyd. Um, And it changed a lot of things, if you think about it. We had all new attention um, to all kinds of different things. Our society viewed things in a different way, including um, black authors and their work. You know, and it, and it trickled down in many different ways. Publishers started to, you know, put in additional promotional campaigns. There was new focus. There was attention all on black authors and their work. Did it last? And it's really interesting conversation about the good and the bad in that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Joining us now is Sarah Raleigh, who's a freelance columnist and author of The Bones of Ruin. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're a well-published author, a children's author, uh, essayist, fantasy. I mean, you, you've got a number of works out there. Um, just get, to get some of the important points nailed down here so people have some idea uh, who you are and what we're talking about, how long have you been in the publishing business? How long have you been working as an author? Oh, I published my first book uh, in, I think, 2014. It was an indie publisher, and I started um, publishing, I guess you could say, in the big times uh, with the big New York publishers, Simon & Schuster, um, in 2016. So it hasn't been too long, but I have been around long enough to have seen certain things. Yeah. Now, just walk us through what happened, because, of course, as you say, um, around the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement that was spawned as a result, um, there was all new focus and attention to works like yours, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, as we all know, the death of George Floyd um, sparked protests um, in the summer of 2020. 
not only nationwide in Canada, um, but obviously in America and all around the world, that's when you started to see a lot of businesses, a lot of institutions um, talking more about the need to really pay attention to black lives and promoting black work, um, hiring black um, workers Mm -hmm. in all fields. Um, and we, we really started to see that attention on uh, us as black people. And Sarah, it, you know, some of your work, interestingly enough, has been around um, some of the barriers to black authors in the publishing world, right? I mean, you've written on this very subject before. Yes, absolutely. I, I wrote uh, actually a piece, a couple of opinion pieces in the Crow Inquirer about just the emotional burdens of being a black writer trying to navigate a publishing industry that is largely and has historically been in favor of white voices. Uh, and so I think um, my work for The Walrus that I recently published is very much an offshoot of that. So on the surface, you would think this new attention and focus on the work of black authors would be a good thing. Um, And I'm sure there were some good things to come out of it, right? Oh, absolutely. Every author wants their books to be read. You know, we want our books to be sold. And for a lot of us, this is our bread and butter. This is how we put food on the table. And you saw that? You saw an increase in attention and sales, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, There was definitely a big spike. I remember getting an email from my agent about, you know, um, just how many more books were sold during that time period uh, of summer 2020 and just seeing a lot of engagement with my work more than I'd ever seen um, previous. But you ask a fascinating question, which I think, you know, is something that we all need to sort of take a look at. Does it take something so tragic, so society shifting and earth shattering to take place to put that kind of importance on your work? That's the question you're asking. Yes, absolutely. And it's something that I struggle with because at the same time, like I said, every author wants their books to be read. You know, I feel so happy when fans reach out to me and say, oh, I love the Effigy series. I love the Bones of Ruin. Um, But the idea that it took a man's death and not just a man's death because these kinds of acts of police brutality are happening all the time, but just for the fact that for whatever for whatever reason, um, the death of this particular man at this particular time in this particular matter. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Um, sparked such national and international conversation, that is what sort of 
led the uh, collective light bulb to be turned on and for people to start thinking, you know, maybe we should pay more attention to black people and black lives and, and black art. And um, that's something that that's kind of bothersome to me. Uh, yeah, and me too. I mean, you're absolutely yeah. right. And, and the other question is, um, because it's 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 a spike. It's momentary, right? It's well that focus is there, but it doesn't last. We it's not like it changes forever, right? Yeah, it's, it's a momentary thing, and I saw that with my sales as well. And it's just kind of like with Black History Month, and you know, I often see this, a spike of my engagement during February <laughs> um, as a Black author, and um, people wanting to reach out to me and things like that. But you know, speaking as a Black author. I'm sure that many other black authors feel the same way. It would be wonderful to get that kind of engagement all the time throughout the year without there needing to be some kind of month or some kind of tragedy to sanction that kind of, uh, you know, interest. Any ideas on how we make that happen? Like we, we, we get the start and, and, you know, it may be sprung from tragedy, but it, it moves things in the right direction. How do we maintain it, sustain it? caring yeah you have to keep caring um and how do people keep caring it's it's a it's a difficult question why i think it causes people to reflect upon themselves and ask you know why don't you care about black literature about black art why don't you care about indigenous literature or or asian literature and so on um except for when something terrible happens i think it just means a sustained um feeling of shared humanity that despite some of the differences that we have that are very much on the surface level, we're part of a collective and we should care about each other. Excellent conversation and really something to think about. Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks very much. That's Sarah Raleigh freelance columnist and an author. And as you heard, she's written The Bones of Ruin, uh, other children's um, literature, fantasy series, all kinds of work. All right. I want to bring something to your attention here uh, before we're done with the show today. A really important and interesting event will be kicking off on Monday. And it's open to all of us. Um, And uh, it's virtual, so it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Um, it's called A Love Letter to Men, A Celebration of Men and Mental Health. And uh, it's, it's big. Uh, there's a lot of different subject matter that's going to be discussed and addressed. Um, really interesting. So to find out more about it, we're going to chat now with Mike Cameron. Um, Mike is an author. He's a speaker, advocate for violence prevention. He's the co-founder of Ignore No More, Run for uh, Respect. He's the founder of Connected Men, which is an organization dedicated to create safe spaces for men to practice emotional mastery, and he is the guy behind A Love Letter to Men, A Celebration of Men and Mental Health. Mike, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Hey, Shay, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so let's just go through the nuts and bolts of uh, of the event for people who are curious. It kicks off on Monday and runs for a number of days, right? Yeah, we're running from Monday, February the 7th till Thursday, February the 10th, and uh, we've decided to do an evening event so that those that have to work uh, can still come out. So we're running about, uh, we'll start at 6 p.m., and we'll run till till about 8.30. And um, there's so many different topics. We'll get into those in a second. First of all, the genesis of this. Where did it come from? Where did you come? I mean, I know you've done a lot of work in this area. Where did it all come from? Yeah, well, 
This, for me, is personal. And, and I think for so many individuals, this topic is personal. I mean, we can talk statistics all day long, but, you know, whether you're a man who struggles, whether you have a man in your life who struggles, or whether you've been impacted by maladaptive behaviors of someone who struggles, I mean, we're, we're all in this together. So the genesis of this for me, back in 2015, my girlfriend was murdered by an ex-boyfriend who subsequently took his own life. And, you know, at that time, I had lots of folks that wanted me to go after the justice system because, you know, she'd done all the right things, had filed the paperwork, had the restraining order. But when I looked at it, I thought, you know, how do we build a better restraining order is akin to putting a Band-Aid on a ruptured jugular. And I thought the better question is, how do we prevent men from getting to that point in the first place? And so that's kind of what started my journey. And for the last six years or so, I've been working with a lot of different organizations and men in the field that provide supports for men. And the challenges we, we have is that a lot of us are working in silos. So last summer, a bunch of us came together to create the, um, the Alberta uh, Men's Collaborative. So just a, a, an organization or a place for guys to get together and talk about all those things that, that we're doing in the field. And Living Hope, which is the community plan to prevent suicide in Edmonton, is one of those partners. And they had been planning to do a suicide prevention conference pre-COVID. Of course, COVID came. That yep. didn't happen. So here we are now. We're doing a virtual event. Um, they asked me to take charge, take the reins, and here we are. And and it's uh, and congrats. I mean, just taking a look at what you've got lined up and all the different sessions. And se- I mean, there's a lot involved here. What are you most looking forward to? Like, what what's going to be the highlight? Do you think? Oh man, it is so hard to choose. Yeah, you're right. We we've got an incredible lineup of speakers. Uh, it, it's been just overwhelming to me to see the support that we have. I'm a professional speaker, and you know, so in my travels, as I, as I talk to some of my peers. And uh, as soon as they heard about this thing, they were all very quick to jump on and say, okay, how can we support? How can we get behind this? So, you know, we've got um, poets to PhDs. We've got social workers. We've got those with lived experience. Um, You know, Dr. John Agrodnachuk, who I've shared, I've sat on a panel with before. He's the head of psychotherapy at UBC, runs a program called Heads Up Guys. Uh, Alan Kaler, best-selling author of Mental Health, It's Time to Talk. Um, my buddy Drew Dudley, who's a Wall Street Journal best-selling author, uh, and he's actually a leadership guy. Um, that's kind of his domain of expertise, but he's also struggles with bipolar. He's an alcoholic and has some real personal stories that he's going to share. So I, I can't pick one. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? Something that I think a lot of people, and I know a lot of people in our audience uh, would be interested to know, you're going to focus uh, at least one of the sessions on fly-in, fly-out life. And, and, yes. I, and that's a big one in this part of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got a panel of guys that work in the field, a couple in the, in the safety field uh, particularly, that are just going to share some of their experiences and how they've addressed with some of the challenges that they face uh, with that kind of lifestyle, because obviously it takes a, a fairly substantial toll. I'm just wondering, you know, in this day and age, where are we with this kind of thing? Because you know how it is with guys, right? This is not the kind of thing a lot of guys, are, they're not there yet. 
So I'm just, what, where are we in terms of men um, accepting and dealing with mental health issues and being okay to at least even talk about it? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a challenge for sure. And this is why I typically don't talk about mental health. I often talk about emotional fitness or mental fitness. You know, I think for guys, if we think in terms of physical fitness, we get it. Yeah. We know we need to go to the gym. If we want to stay fit, we have to keep up some kind of regimen of fitness. When we talk about mental health, it's kind of binary. Like, either I'm ill or I'm not. And for most of us, we're going to say we're not. And it ends there. So I think really just shifting the perspective and understanding that we're all somewhere on the spectrum. You know, in the case of my tragedy, um, you know, there was a man that was so far gone that he took somebody else's life and took his own life. Right. Now, hopefully most of us aren't that far on the spectrum, but I can guarantee you, Chase, all of us are somewhere oh, on that spectrum. It's life. Nobody gets through it unscathed. Nobody. Absolutely. Yeah, abs- I think you make a really good point. A lot of people think, you know, well, I'm not like that. I'm not, you know, but there's something. We've all got something at some point uh, that we need to try and deal with. And, uh, and I think you're doing great work in sort of opening up those doors. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and like we need to create the spaces where we can have that ongoing, not only conversation, but practice. So again, if you think of a personal trainer, I've got a personal trainer I go see once a month, but I go to the gym four or five times a week in between that. Right. So if you, if you think in terms of a therapist or a counselor, they're your professional. Absolutely, we need them. But we need the spaces in between so that you can maintain that mental health or your emotional hygiene, so to speak. Absolutely. Like brushing your teeth every day. Yeah, exactly. Just the upkeep, right? Um, if people want to get involved next week, how do they go about doing it? Loveletter2men.com. It's totally free. You can register online. And uh, once you've registered, you'll be able to choose your session. So essentially, we've got, uh, well, I, I'm thrilled because we've got an arts infusion um, sort of throughout the week. We've got a, a, a poet, uh, a finalist for uh, Calgary's Poet Laureate. Uh, Wakefield Brewster is going to be there. Genesia, which is a, a musical band, is joining us. We've got a comedian that's going to open up one day. Uh, and then we have a keynote each night and then your choice of three different break, breakout sessions. Good stuff. Amazing. And it's totally free, Mike? And and you can pick and choose what you want to go to? You can pick and Amazing. choose what you want to go to. Yeah, it's, it's sponsored uh, by Living Hope. And yeah, absolutely free. We wanted to make it completely accessible. So this is, you know, this is for, for men. It's also for, for those that have a man in their life that yeah. they care about. Amazing stuff. Awesome work. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, best of luck next week. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. That is Mike Cameron, who uh, has been dealing with the issue of men's, as he said, mental fitness for a while. And there's a big event that's taking place next week, um, four nights. You can take in as much as you want or as little as you want. doesn't cost you a penny. You're going to learn something. Uh, Loveletter2men.com is how to find out more. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us. 